Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Eric Roberts, fucking man Eric Roberts, the fucking man Eric Roberts is the fucking man Eric Roberts is the fucking man Eric Roberts is the fucking man If there's anything that you can do Eric Roberts fucking can Man your battle stations It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux the world's most beloved Eric Roberts related podcast I'm Doug Tilly And joining me as usual is the Houdini of hardcore Liam O'Donnell How you doing today, <laughs> I'm pretty good Doug How are you? I found a nickname that sort of actually fits this time Liam No that's true I mean uh, I guess Houdini in that I've escaped because I don't go to shows anymore since I that's became right. a dad. Yeah, that's right. No, that's fair. Yeah, Liam, uh, we haven't talked for a while, you and I. Uh, the listeners wouldn't necessarily know that because we release episodes weekly, but sure. it's been a little while since we've gotten together. How have things been going in the O'Donnell household? Well, with the change in weather, uh, the whole family got the sniffles, which is like not a big deal, but in the age of uh, mm. COVID... Uh, when Maeve's sniffles lasted more than a few days, we went and got her tested. It's just, and, and the whole time I'm doing it, I'm like, this is probably not necessary, but what if it is, Doug? What if it is? So you just have to do it. And I, I hate that anxiety. I mean, doing it is not that big a deal, but the anxiety it gives you, yeah, I hate that. I hate that feeling. I hate the powerlessness of being a parent as well as the overarching power of being a parent. They both make me uncomfortable. Liam, this will be the last episode of Cinema Smorgasbord released before Halloween. Halloween. Are you? Do you get? Ex- now we've talked about Halloween a lot on our show. We've done yeah. Halloween specials and whatnot. Yeah. But you have. Is your daughter going to be well enough, or is it even going to be possible in this age for your daughter to be, uh, you know, enjoying Halloween in a slightly traditional way? Oh, I'm sure we'll do something. I mean, a lot of people on Halloween, I think they set up like a table out front, so you're like not as much like going into the entrance of their house or whatever like there's a little bit of distance created i'm i'm into that uh there's probably going to be stuff like downtown all right shut up town. shut up liam our guest today is the creator of effing birds and swear track it's aaron reynolds how are you doing aaron i'm doing great how are you Aaron, I'm doing so great. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm such a fan of your work and of you as a person. Usually, I, I keep this ass kissing until the end of the episode, but I'm <laughs> getting it out there right up front. What do you think about that? I, I thrive on validation, so I'm like super into it. Yeah. I, well, I'll go anywhere. Plenty. People will applaud me or say nice things about me. Those are places I want to be. Aaron, right up front, I have a question for you. I'm going to be questioning yes. you a little bit. On this episode of Eric okay. Roberts is the fucking man Redux, you have, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on my my interpretation here. Your success has come from taking ideas that, from the outset, from an outsider, they might say, "Oh, I don't know if that's a very good idea. I think that's a very silly idea that you come up with," and then committing to it, and then putting it it in an artful form out in the world, and people raving and loving the work that you've done. That's actually yes, and. So much so that some of the things that I've done, including the most successful thing I've done, I did it explicitly because the person I pitched it to thought it was a fucking terrible idea. I love it. So, you know, I I sort of I thrive on uh, somebody telling me I shouldn't do something and then I go and do it and then I make it into, you know, I use all my powers to spitefully make it great just to say, you know, eat eat my dick, you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. 
right? Revenge is a dish best served cold. I don't know if that actually applies to what you just said. Aaron, <laughs> the reason I brought that up, and it actually wasn't even a question I, I noticed in retrospect, it was more a statement. But the reason I brought it up is I, I had an idea for an Eric Roberts related uh, podcast. And I had it many years ago. And I poured a lot of time and effort into it. And everybody told me it was a bad idea. My family, my wife, over and over again, even some of my collaborators on the show. And I've put a lot of time and effort into it and put it out into the world. And people have not responded as positively as they have with things like effing birds and swear trek. What am I doing wrong? How can I make people love my art? Well, part of it is, uh, you know, sticking with it until it finds yes. its audience, right? Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, somebody in the current audience has a friend who has a bigger audience than they do, yes. who has a friend who has a bigger audience than they do. And all you have to do is start the ball rolling in the right direction. And sometimes it takes forever. And sometimes you just sort of like, you sort of sneak up on it or you, uh, there's this... So one time I cyberstalked Will Wheaton. That's a real sure. thing that happened. And mm -hmm. uh, I like I felt a little bad about it, but what I found was that he really liked one of the accounts that I was that I was doing and he retweeted very specific kinds of jokes from that account uh pretty consistently. And so what I did was I sort of kept track of when he was active on social media. And then I kept track of what jokes he really liked. And then I made sure jokes that he really liked were lined up for when he was active on social media. Because, you know what, a retweet to 4 million people really is like, you know, it's it's a good audience builder. This is excellent advice. Actually, Aaron, I know a person who has a large audience of followers on social media. It's Eric Roberts, the actor. Yeah, there you go, right? So you gotta, <laughs> has he been on this show? Uh, we have interviewed Eric Roberts live in Chicago, didn't we, Liam? We sure did. It was the best part of this whole disaster. And it was See, several that's... years ago. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still doing it. Yep. <laughs> so he, I mean, Eric is a friend of the show. I think it's safe to say that Eric is a friend of the show. Maybe we need to lean a little heavier on Eric to uh, amass his vast audience. I do worry sometimes, Liam, that we're a little critical of Eric Roberts on this show sometimes <laughs> in a way that he is thankfully not aware of. Because you know that what? would I... probably come back on us. Are I we bet. critical of him or of the movies that he's in? I think I there's say, a difference there. I would say both. Aaron, please continue. <laughs> oh, I was, I was just going to say there's the Jay Leno thing of um, uh, that movie was great or you were great in that movie. <laughs> the two different things he said to his guests, you know. We've uh, definitely we've definitely said both that the movie was bad <laughs> and that he was bad in it. <laughs> no, don't do that. I, I was talking to a, a low-budget film producer who managed to get – there were a couple of uh, – uh, you know, semi-major stars who would show up in their in their films, and they said the key was that they got really used to what the stars' demands were, and they right. could automatically fulfill them, and they were really willing to work with their schedule so that they could come off of something and show up on this for the exact right number of days, and then go on to the next thing. And so, you know, if the if they could only get this actor for nine days instead of the eleven days that they wanted, they'd say, "Yeah, we'll work it out. No problem. We can do it in nine days with you." And then he'd happily come along. You know, and so maybe Eric Roberts has found that for himself. Oh, he has. And in fact, I think <laughs> we've talked to several filmmakers who've worked with Eric Roberts. I think he also appreciates if he doesn't have to learn any lines. On the set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, oh. if he can show up and someone gives him a Frappuccino and then he just has to say a few things. I think that is the ideal Eric Roberts situation. 
Yeah. The frappuccino is key. We learned that key. that the frappuccino is a necessary element. <laughs> That's Aaron, I respect that. Yeah. Aaron, well, this is a podcast about Eric Roberts, the actor. Yep. Uh, yep. You've mentioned recently perusing his Internet Movie Database page. I was just recently reading a Newsweek article that listed Eric Roberts as the most prolific actor on the planet Earth. So, I mean, obviously, wow. there's a lot of reasons why there should be an Eric Roberts-related podcast in which Liam and I have made a blood oath to watch the life and work of uh, actor Eric Roberts. Right, right, Liam? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Aaron, <laughs> I want to know what your life experience with Eric Roberts has been. Are you a fan? Have you seen any of his films before? Yeah, so it's it's funny. For a while, um, do you ever have that thing where you think somebody's a much bigger star than they are because of Always. how you encountered them? I mean, yeah. we, we have several podcasts devoted to people we thought were very famous celebrities that no one likes to listen to. So obviously, <laughs> this is a very relatable yeah, yeah, issue. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I... Uh, I thought Roddy McDowell was like the biggest star oh. in the whole universe because he was in Planet of the Apes and Batman. Right. Right. So, you know, that finding out later that he was, you know, he's, you know, famous, but he's not like a superstar <laughs> was kind of a little bit crushing. And for me, I think I saw I saw Eric Roberts in like three things in a row really quickly and i was like oh this dude's this dude's great and is in lots of good stuff and then i didn't realize that you know for a while that i had seen all the good the good things <laughs> you know like that's not fair but i mean i saw him in um uh coca-cola kid mm. and then um rude awakening and final analysis sure. and runaway train obviously runaway train um, Runaway Train and Coca-Cola Kid were both constantly on City TV, which was the local, like, uh, independent, uh, station that ran movies nonstop in Toronto. And I, I sure Moses I and I, love, we know him. Yeah. Yeah. I love City TV. Um, and so, you know, Runaway Train is, you know, a great movie. And then, uh, Coca-Cola Kid really, really got teenage me because oh, it had... <laughs> Kind of like a, a <laughs> yeah, it, it had kind of a, a contrarian sense of humor, which I loved. Um, and it, I, I was a big Coca-Cola fan and um, it had, you know, gratuitous nudity. And yes. so it was definitely one that I made time to watch when it was on TV. And so Eric Roberts was, you know, like, a, like kind of an icon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, an icon. I love it. I mean, he has to be iconic. Look at all the work that he's done. Well, exactly. I'm, do you have a favorite? Now, by the way, those roles you listed, very great, very yep. extensive Eric Roberts performances. But there are some other strong performances out there, including, of course, the, of course, the Pope of Greenwich Village yep. and the King of the Gypsies. And I could go on. I should be able to. I do host an Eric Roberts related podcast. But I do <laughs> want to ask you, Aaron, do you have a favorite Eric Roberts role? I, I thought about that because uh, I knew you were going to ask me, you know, what how I felt about uh, Eric Roberts. And I, I mean, I still I gravitate to Coca-Cola Kid, but part of it is I've seen it so many times. Sure. Um, and uh, I really I realized today that I need to watch Runaway Train again because it's mm -hmm. been probably 20 years and it deserves another watch. And yeah, plus, you're a big you know, John Voight head, right? You love the Voight. Not so much. We're going to talk a little bit about John Voight on this very episode, Aaron. So Are we going to talk about his accent? Are we going to talk about his accent? Okay. We'll talk about everything, John Voight. In fact, maybe we should launch a John Voight no, secret podcast. No. <laughs> Is that where you're going to put your foot down there? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's change the topic a little bit. Let us get caught up on all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. 
It's the Roberts Report for this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux. We continue with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And you should. There's been lots of great content lately, including back on October 12th, where Eric Roberts says, Hey guys, at Book Cameo. He put a little message in that says, Let's make an impact together. Request me on Cameo to support mental health. So for people who don't know, Cameo is this platform where you can get celebrities to send you personalized messages for a fee. A personalized video from Eric Roberts is currently a mere $120. And you can also book him for a marketing campaign or event for only $1,240. Now, Cameo is kind of a controversial topic. Liam, I know we've talked about it in the past, but Aaron, what's your take on Cameo? Have you ever paid for a Cameo or have someone paid for a Cameo for you? I have done neither of those things, but I have enjoyed when I've seen it happen for other people and their, you know, favorite celebrity wishes them a happy birthday. It's just kind of like heartwarming. And especially when um, I love Kevin from The Office, the fact that he's found so much success doing, Mm -hmm. you know, cameo because, uh, you know, he's very reasonably priced and he's good (laughs) at it, you know. Um, Actually, I'm really excited to hear that it only costs $1,000 to get Eric Roberts to an event. Yeah, that makes me that makes me start to make plans. I wonder, and this is something that we talked about a very long time ago. I think that there's already been a few films that have incorporated cameos into them in order to be able to yeah. say that Ooh. the film features certain actors in the in the cast. And I wonder if these larger fees for the business level of cameos allows for that. Basically, there's a license to allow people to then exploit those those recordings. Right. Uh, in in uh, kind of mass market entertainment, a uh, lot more cameos. Maybe in twenty twenty two will be the year of the actor cameo movie. You're excited about that, Aaron? No, no. Maybe. <laughs> no. I understand. I, I understand. <laughs> Liam, we've talked about cameo in the past. Have your uh, thoughts on that shifted at all? Have, have you ever bought a cameo? I don't know if I ever asked you that before. No, you haven't. And I've thought about it. Um... Uh, very few listeners will know who this is, but there's a gentleman who goes by the name Lord Ezek or uh, Danny Diablo, uh, mm. who's had a, a variety, uh, a weird career in a variety of genres of music, and his cameos are only $25. So I thought about getting one for a friend of the show, Josh Alvarez, when he was feeling down as a ah. pick as a pick me up. Yes. Uh, turns out, if I had done so, that would have been the fourth Lord Ezek cameo that somebody got for him. So I'm glad I didn't waste my money doing that. Uh, but my favorite part of cameo is uh, uh, a friend of mine has a podcast where uh, he does with his friends and his son. And his son made up a game called Cameo No where he asked them what various celebrities cost on Cameo, and they all guess. And they take oh. it they take it oh. very fucking seriously. And uh, when they're wrong, it's very funny because they get very mad at themselves when they're really off, you know? And I just love – I just – listening to grown men get competitive about something so stupid is like the funniest thing I've ever heard, and it, it kills yep. me every time. And, and finding out the cost of things. Now, I will say – um, if you if people are listening to this and they're like, wow, getting Eric Roberts for an event is only you know uh, twelve hundred bucks, like that that seems really reasonable. I'll just go ahead and let you all know if you'd like him for your movie, it's not that much more than that. <laughs> oh. I know that that sounds like I'm being mean. 
I'm saying that for a fact, y'all. I I know the number. So if you want him wow. to come and be in the movie, it's it's really not that bad. Just save up a little bit more and uh, let's make a movie with Eric Roberts. There's really no well, reason not to. I mean, I mean maybe that that maybe that's the fee now, Liam. But of course, there's some large Eric Roberts related projects coming up, including sure. an appearance on the Righteous Gemstones and the next film from the director of La La Land. Oh yeah, that future. only that only actually buys you like two days of filming. But yeah, of but <laughs> but he you know the assumption is that in two days you're gonna get what you need and then you, that was a good you know twenty five hundred dollars that you spent so there you go. My there wife go. recently purchased me a cameo for my birthday uh, from uh, the man, the king, the fucking god of the shit, Nick Gage, the deathmatch professional wrestler. Sure, sure. Uh, and in that message uh, that she asked him to uh, say, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on a podcast, but maybe I'll say it anyway. Uh, she told him that I didn't uh, provide enough uh, oral pleasure to her. And, <laughs> oh. uh, so uh, so it, most of the cameo is just this this deathmatch wrestler yelling at me to take care of my woman <laughs> again and again. Uh, so, I, I mean, I was very intimidated by him. And, of course, also I am a big fan of the Mr. Nick Gage. So I guess, uh, I guess I'll have to follow his instructions. Just one of the many uses of the great cameo platform. But we should go back to what we were talking about, which well, is, of course so – yes, please. I just wanted to say that I had no knowledge of who Nick Gage was mm-hmm. until I was appearing at Central Florida Comic Con. Uh-huh. And the night before the show, they had like a local wrestling match. And the organizers were like, you, do you want to come to this? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? And I, it was utter chaos. And mm. I don't know that I've ever experienced anything like that. And during the Nick Cage, what's it? Nick Gage. Nick Gage, that's right. Nick Gage. During, during his match, the two wrestlers ended up out of the ring and then they destroyed like half the chairs in the audience. Uh-huh. And then they ended up throwing each other onto the other wrestlers' merchandise tables and destroying <laughs> the merchandise tables. And it was glorious. It was a whole room of people running around to follow wherever these wrestlers were going. And it was, I've never experienced anything like it. And it was probably the best, most delightful surprise on that entire cursed trip. <laughs> It's a beautiful art form. Back on yeah. October 6th, Eric Roberts uh, tweeted, Eliza, referring to his wife Eliza, Eliza was being her usual good listener with a friend, telling the story of a first date. He'd had a recent disastrous first overnight. Eliza asked him if he'd shared the overnight story with the date person. He said no. She said good, because I'd save that story for never. Pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty hilarious uh <laughs> <laughs> Eliza was being her usual good listener, which is uh, nice to hear. Uh, I'm going to actually start with you, Liam. Liam, Liam O'Donnell, my co-host on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Have you ever had a terrible first overnight with a date? No. <laughs> is that really no or no, you don't want to discuss it on a podcast? Uh, I mean, not in my memory, no. I mean, I, I will say I have had less than ideal romantic encounters Ooh. uh but i will say you should have that... been listening to mr nick gage i think that'd probably help you out yeah <laughs> no but i would i would say that none of those involved staying overnight they were just not fun <laughs> but that's you know you, you can't win them all doug you can't win them all as a great canadian once said you live you learn uh aaron reynolds yes worst first date experiences um so <laughs> 
I have had the, the worst first date that I ever had um, uh-huh. involved a, it was New Year's Eve. Ooh. And I found out later that uh, uh, she had been like really nervous and drank a bunch before we went out for New Year's oh, Eve to this club. And then she had more to drink at the club. And then uh, she threw up all over me at the club. Um, oh! About, about 20 minutes before New Year's, about 20 minutes before the ball drop. <laughs> And um, the and also she had only eaten like saltine crackers. She had been having saltine crackers and red wine, and the vomit was very clearly saltine crackers and red wine. Uh, and uh, uh, anyways, I had to try to wash myself off in the club bathroom, and of course a bouncer came and said, "You know, you're too drunk. I have to kick you out." And I had to say, "Actually, this is my date's vomit." Uh, and he was like, oh man, that's, that sucks. That's like the worst. I still have to kick you out. <laughs> so I spent New Year's soaking wet, uh, and smelling kind of like vomit in a, uh, Tim Hortons. Hmm. Uh, no, wait, it was a country time. I just, oh, re- I just remembered it was a country time donuts. Uh, and they put Blade Runner on the TV at midnight, like they always do in Toronto and, oh, well, speaking of donuts, back on October 4th, Eric Roberts tweeted, On a plane, coffee leads to donuts. Luckily, they don't have any donuts on the plane. You big donut guy, Aaron? No. Um, I I only realized recently that, like, people eat them for actual breakfast, which This is – it's such a strange thing. I think this is an American yeah. thing. My yeah. wife said, yeah, we, it was a common thing for them to eat donuts for breakfast. That sounds bizarre like to me. cake. It's like eating cake for breakfast. I don't. Like, what are we, I, I, children? You, all of you. Yeah, uh, 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 <laughs> the, the the sudden influx of Canadian fuck uppery is just really messed with my brain right now. <laughs> Donuts are only for breakfast. Eating them what? at other times is the activity of psychotics and people who shouldn't be left alone with children. It's like uh, eating a slice of cake for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Not, there is lots of food. cake you can have for breakfast. Coffee no. cake. Fucking uh, uh, Danishes is a kind of cake. That's not uh, in fact, breakfast. I would Danish say I would say outside of birthday cake. Most cakes you could have for fucking breakfast. You're if gonna you fucking you're gonna but, put but a, a black a forest cake on your table for breakfast. German chocolate no. cake. What are you eating talking? A, about? First of all, first yeah. of all, a donut is not as thick as a black forest chocolate. Well, cake. Well, it depends on the donut. If you get yourself, well, a then Boston don't get cream, that donut. A if you're a fucking coward, Doug, then just be a coward. You, so you said don't, don't have, don't take that donut for breakfast. But you also said you can't eat donuts outside of breakfast. Make up your mind, Liam. Easily, easily, I eat donuts outside of breakfast because I am a fucking psychopath. Oh, normal okay. people don't okay. do that. Okay, That's wait. not a thing so, normal people do. Honestly, when I started hearing that like Americans eat donuts for breakfast all the time, I thought maybe they just don't know the difference between a bagel and a donut. But you are talking about the cakey thing with frosting and first of all, first stuff. of all, you can't tell me you know what a bagel is. You live in Canada, all right? So right. that's the first thing. We got a Montreal here. Montreal, yeah, Montreal good. bagels yes. are the okay, best in but, the world. But but let's be let's be clear. That's a weirdo bagel. It's not a normal bagel. Second of all, do you live in Montreal? Uh, so Basically. I live 
I, I live on Eglinton, uh, just off of Eglinton West in, in Toronto. And so we have all the different kinds of bagel shops up and down my street. There's literally within a five minute walk from my house, there are seven places to buy bagels. You're embarrassing yourself right now, Liam. Yo, lots of, lots of people, in, lots of people in Albany <laughs> tell me they know what bagels are, but I'm like, yeah, but you don't actually live in New York. So get fucked. That's how yeah, I feel. I understand, oh, so yeah, I no, understand that. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Albany. Sure. <laughs> So so bagels is that what we're talking about? I don't know. This got really intense because you guys were like, they. I don't even care about donuts like that. It's not even like I care. It's just the fact that you were both like, well, obviously no one eats donuts for breakfast, and I'm like, what are we fucking talking about? Yeah, no one eats coffee cake for breakfast either. No one eats fucking apple fritters for breakfast. These are breakfast foods. I if you don't like them, you could an apple fritter for your fucking breakfast. You could 100% tell me that you that you don't want to eat them for breakfast. That's fine. There are lots of breakfast foods that I think are psychotic. It doesn't change the fact that they're breakfast foods, which gets back to my central issue, which is that breakfast food is actually a crazy notion. You could eat anything for breakfast if you wanted to. There's no reason to eat sugary cereals for breakfast. We just do it because we're told we have to. You could eat anything for breakfast. You could have chicken parmesan for breakfast. It would be fine. There's no rule about foods for breakfast. It's a psychotic thing that we do in this part of the world that doesn't make any sense well, Liam, I'm glad that marketing, we're having... doesn't it it's because you've been yeah. sold all these things That's exactly 100 percent. 100 percent. yeah yeah you're very you're susceptible used to, the... to that i'm the not i eat anything for breakfast lucky charms that's it <laughs> oh my i'm God. glad we're having this argument because eric roberts has something to say about arguments back on august 12th he actually <laughs> made three tweets in a row the first says which of these applies more to your argument wait for it I didn't resent it happening. I resent you not knowing it happened. Or I don't resent it happening. I resent you not acknowledging it happened. Pretty wise words from Mr. Eric Roberts there. What do you think, Liam? <laughs> Bit of a mind bender here. Uh, I'm not sure. Why don't you explain it to me, Doug? What do you, well, what we do you just, think he's getting Let's at? apply it to what we were just talking about. You're a little, uh, uh, you got your panties in a twist. <laughs> do people still say that? About no, the, no one says that. <laughs> about the idea of donuts for breakfast. We had that argument. Thinking back upon it, do you resent it happening or resenting me not knowing it happened? <laughs> or, do you, or do you... You don't resent. He resents it you not acknowledging that it's a real yeah. thing. That's the one he resents. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I resent you not acknowledging that we just had a fight, Liam. Did we have a fight? Is that it. what it was? A fight? Well, I mean, argument and f- and fight. Maybe it's maybe fight's a little strong, but an argument. We had an argument. And how come you won't acknowledge it? I don't like to acknowledge anything you do, Doug. That's my that's my general rule. Oh, oh well, I mean, a little a little bit of controversy here on the latest episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. <laughs> Currently in theaters, as of the time of this recording, is Hard Luck Love Song. Uh, it's described here on a Collider article saying that it mixes neo-noir aesthetics with a Western feel. Hard Luck Love Song is inspired by Just Like Old Times, a song by acclaimed Americana singer-songwriter Todd Snyder. Let's hear a little bit of that song right now. I got some cocaine if you want some. The best that I could find. We could just sit here and talk all night If that big old guy out in the car don't mind Like old times a Screw off the top on a bike Hard Luck Love Songs cast includes Dermot Mulrooney, Brian Saka, Melora Walters, Academy Award nominee Eric Roberts, and hip-hop icon RZA. RZA and Eric Roberts together uh, at last. 
Aaron, believe it or not, both Liam and I have seen the trailer for Hard Luck Love Song. Liam sent it over to me. Liam, would it be fair to say that it looks like a pretty good movie? It's hard to say. Like, I the more I thought about it, the more I thought, like, you can't just assume it's going to be great because it looks like a professional trailer. Well, I didn't say great. <laughs> That's fair. Even that it's going to be good because it looks like, like, what I will say is the trailer looks very slick and professional. And we've watched a number of Eric Roberts trailers that don't look that way. So, That's so at, at minimum, I will say it looks like a very professional uh, movie made by people with some amount of visual talent. Yes. Yeah. It looks like a real movie, I think, is what you're trying to say. Where yeah, sometimes basically. the movies we watch don't necessarily look like a real movie, though that does not apply to the movie that we're going to be talking about today. Aaron, a movie based on a song, does that make you excited for it or wary of it? Um, I, you know what? I, I hadn't thought about that until you asked. And the first thing that springs to mind is how often Stephen King will base entire chapters of a book on a song lyric that he just sort of like that sort of sprung into his head while he was you know figuring out what happens and you know i don't i don't object to it i think it's got to sort of stand on its own you know stand on its own merits maybe it'll be yeah, good yeah certainly i mean let's think of all the great movies that have been based on songs like harper valley pta and alice's restaurant and ode to billy joe and the night the lights went out in Georgia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it could be good, or be like good. some of those I just said, maybe not good. It could go either way. Let's just let that sit there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you excited to see Eric Roberts with Riza on the big screen, Aaron? Are they are they in any scenes together? I don't know. I can't remember from the trailer. I think they I might mean, be. That's if exciting. they are, then yes, I'm excited to see that. What would Eric Roberts' Wu-Tang name be, Liam O'Donnell? Oh, man. <laughs> I have no idea, actually. <laughs> I wish Could I had just something be the cool. man? Yeah, I guess. Oh, the man? The man's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. We'll go. So he'll be the man next to the Rizza and Jizza and the other members of the Wu-Tang, whose names escape me at the moment, Liam. I feel a little embarrassed. <laughs> Is that really Ghost true? Ghostface Killer? Ghostface Killer, uh, You God, uh, Inspect the Deck. Old Dirty uh, Bastard. Old Dirty Bastard, of course. Method Man. Uh, uh, who else? Who am I thinking? Oh, who boy. This is great. Raekwon. Raekwon the Chef. <laughs> I'm assuming uh, our audience is yelling it, so I'm just helping them out. Really. Yeah, I'm glad. Everyone can quiet down now. Aaron, are you a fan of the Home Alone franchise of films? Oh, God. You oh, guys boy. made me watch this trailer, and I was so upset when I figured mm -hmm. out what it was. Um, no. I'm No. I, well, I, I watched the first one again for the first time in a long time uh, this past Christmas, and it didn't, it wasn't as terrible as I remembered it. I remembered it being three quarters, you know, not any fun at all, and one quarter cartoon mayhem. And it was it was better than that, but I didn't I didn't love it. I haven't seen any of the sequels. Um, and as soon as I like I'm watching this trailer that you guys sent me uh -huh. and about halfway through, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is home alone with dogs. <laughs> and and then the title comes up. And what's the what's the title? It's called pups alone pups alone it's not even a good dog pun title for a home alone movie i mean that is true you know like it, at least air bud had great stupid 
dog pun titles like Golden Receiver, you know? Aaron, what if I was to tell you that this is not actually the first Home Alone ripoff that Eric Roberts has been a part of? (laughs) What was the first one? What if I was to tell you that he also uh, appeared in a uh, Home Alone-inspired film uh, with a a cast uh, mostly of African-Americans, and it was called initially, before a title changed, Homie Alone. Oh, dear. Hmm. Any thoughts on that? That, I mean, it sounds... Oh. It I mean, sounds it like sounds they were like looking it... for a lawsuit, is what I think. Yeah, like or, I mean, it sounds problematic. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of... Did, did you watch it? Have you watched it for this podcast? No, not yet. We will, though, because oh, okay. we made a blood oath to watch the life and work of yeah, Eric Roberts. Roberts. Liam O'Donnell, I think that the weak link of the Home Alone uh, films, the first two, is actually Macaulay Culkin, which uh, pains me to say, because I think he seems like a stand-up guy in real life, but I just don't think he's very good in those movies. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I get why people found it goofy and funny, but it's not acting, right? It's just a kid being silly. Yeah. He's he, he's not a – and especially because as an adult, he's done a couple of roles, not a lot, but a couple of roles where he's actually been a character. Sure. That it's kind of funny to be like, man, we really – we really just took a kid and made him super famous by having him just go ah over and over yeah. again. Well, I mean, this is the reason I bring that up is because if the child is the weak link, then what better way to make a film that's even better than Home Alone than to replace that child with what appears to be talking dogs? Mm, I just don't. I just don't know, man. I'm just not sure about that. Well, maybe you'll be more convinced if I tell you what this plot of this movie is about. Nope, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> While everyone is away on a company ski trip, Robert's jealous neighbor hires two inept thieves to steal his latest invention. The neighborhood dogs will use Robert's inventions to set up a house of horrors for the thieves. This laugh-out-loud comedy stars Dolph Lundgren and features the voices of Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jerry O'Connell, Danny Trejo, and Rob Schneider with special appearances by Eric Roberts, plus Keith David, and Malcolm McDowell. (laughs) Aaron, what did you think of the trailer for this? So I I saw all those names before I started watching the trailer, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that they were going to be voices of dogs. So I was Uh watching for the actors and when Dolph Lundgren, when, you know, the, 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 who has, you know, matured to a, a, you know, a little bit of an elder statesman kind of, you know, when, when he showed up, I was like, Eric Roberts got really jacked. (laughs) And then after a little bit, I was like, no, that's not Eric Roberts. Where's Eric Roberts. Uh, He's not in the trailer, is he? Uh, no. In fact, that that question that you asked, where's Eric Roberts, is something we find ourselves shouting at our television <laughs> screens on a regular basis. <laughs> Sometimes so, in movies that are, are, yeah. are like, literally list him first in the cast. <laughs> and then <laughs> he's in it for two minutes somewhere. Yep. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to sell it on what you can sell it on. I, you know, I, I when I at the end of the trailer, it had all these hashtags on YouTube when the when the window minimized. And one of them was Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I was like, she, well, she was in that. There was there were. There's one female character in this movie, and it's a it's a like a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. But I guess she's a dog voice. I guess. So you don't seem. I mean, I'm just telling from your um, both your tone and the words that you've been using. You don't <laughs> seem very excited about Pups Alone, this Home Alone inspired I, film featuring. Uh, by the way, we did not mention Nicholas Turturro from uh, from uh, NYPD Blue 
uh, plays yep. one of the criminals in this, who yep. it appears gets covered in dog shit maybe seven or eight times in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looks like he slips on it, falls in yep. it, has it shot yep. into his face. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. There's, there's a lot of dog asshole, I would say. Of, yep. <laughs> I, so <laughs> I, I like, so here's my experience with, with you know, talking animal movies. Um, uh-huh. One year, uh, my mother-in-law uh, bought my children a Blu-ray of a movie called Santa Buddies. Yes. And on the cover was like half a dozen dogs and Santa Claus. And I was like, well, this looks harmless. And we put it on and I found the film incomprehensible. And I kept wondering, like, w- are the writers of this film inept? Why am I supposed to already understand the relationships of all of these dogs to each other? Why are they uh-huh. talking about these things that I don't like that I'm not? registering and it turns out it's because it was the 12th sequel to airbud i did not realize that there's an entire airbud cinematic universe um that i was i was thankfully unaware and then i went and looked on imdb and it's a horror show but it also made me want to watch some of the other like robert vince is the guy who directs a lot of them and Mm -hmm. he's He's not only responsible for all those dog movies, but he also did a series of movies with a chimpanzee, like Most Valuable Primate, Primate. Uh, and uh, the sequel where he plays hockey, and yeah. then uh, um, what's the the one most, where he's the a spy? Skateboarding? Most yeah, the skateboarding primate? one. Yep, and yeah. and one where he's like a James Bond. It's called something right. spy spy mate or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So, anyways, so I first of all, I'm horrified by the entire genre. I think that. Uh, I don't know. What was the last good dog movie? Benji? Um, was there, Has there been any... Being kind of dismissive towards the whole genre there, Aaron. I'm not sure I, I, I agree am. with that. I what am. about... I am being... uh, Bingo. I'm trying to think of one where the dog doesn't die at the end, and I can't... Nothing springs to mind. They always okay. die. Yeah, those are sometimes good. Yeah, dead dog movies. Is that if you're a fan of those? It's kind of interesting yeah. to hear. Well, only, um... when they're, only when they're good. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we don't know what the last good one is but we know what the next good one is which is uh what's it called again pups alone <laughs> pups alone pups alone <laughs> should mention that I... santa buddies features the voice of tim conway and tom bosley that's pretty exciting yep i was excited to see tim conway's name on the on the on the box uh it also has the saddest george went performance i've ever seen uh as santa claus it is he's just like he looks depressed and covered in cg the whole time <laughs> Oh boy, no yeah. one, no one likes to be depressed and covered in CG. Yeah. <laughs> Liam, any thoughts on Pups Alone before we move on? Looks like a horror show. I can't wait to watch it. Well, you hate dogs. Everyone knows it. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page are two films that I think our audience uh, really need to know about. The first is the upcoming Alien Vampire Busters. Uh, trying to Sounds get a little ahead. I mean, look. I, what can you learn from a title? I don't know, but I know that the word Busters is in this title for a very good reason, which is that there's a new Ghostbusters movie that's just about to come out. Uh, this is directed by Robert Namir, the director of 2010's Slaughter Weekend. It's described oh. as a sleepy town, alien vampires, corrupt politicians, and strange locals collide at the dawn of the apocalypse. This one has an all-star cast, including Andy Dick, wow, Sleepaway Camp's Felissa Rose, Jeremy London, and of course, Eric Roberts as Mayor McMillan. Excited for this. Uh, Alien Vampire Busters, Aaron. Yes, 100%. Yes. Is this the kind of I movie mean, that you enjoy? You enjoy an yes. Alien Vampire Buster movie? Well, I mean, if it's good, yes. And mm. if it's not good, also yes. <laughs> um, I think that 
if it does something that is bizarre that I haven't seen before, I love it. Um, uh, full disclosure, I am the associate producer of uh, a film uh, called uh, Galaxy Warriors that mm. is about uh, women escaping from a space prison. <laughs> and I'm also this year the associate producer of a film called uh, Power Tool Cheerleaders and the Screeching Boy Band of Death, which is oh, a boy. musical mm. about zombies um, that I'm very much looking forward to seeing. And both of those are... Um, I'm an associate producer because I gave them money because <laughs> I, I just wanted you. to see those films just get made. I just was like, <laughs> you know what? I want to see this. Your, your pitch looks great. I would like to see this film done. Aaron, I have to ask, does Eric Roberts appear in either of those films? I, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if he did? I didn't know he was so inexpensive. Otherwise I would have like, you know, pitched it. Cause I mean, galaxy warriors could use a cameo from Eric Roberts as like, you know, put him in a weird space helmet <laughs> maybe a literal cameo he could be on a screen yeah. on a, right i yeah, mean exactly green screen it and shoot it at home that's exactly <laughs> it well not just alien vampire busters uh, th there's also the upcoming the epidemic directed by nigel hartwell a prolific horror director responsible for 2013's suburban madness and the demented from 2021 this film also features sleepaway camps felissa rose as well as the writer and star of the legendary canadian film things barry j gillis as well as another legendary Canadian thing, Brett the Hitman Hart. The epidemic's plot is as follows. After a meteor crashes into the Earth's crust, causing extreme devastation, an unexplained plague decimates the town's population, turning people into zombies. The town's few survivors seek refuge where they can make a final stand for survival. Uh, this film, The Epidemic, uh, features legendary pro wrestler and Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle as a military general, as well as Eric Roberts as Ralph. Liam, are we going to be checking out Alien Vampire Busters and The Epidemic? Of course, with excitement. Why? Blood oath. We made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, so we need to watch both the epidemic and alien vampire busters. Aaron, you are under no such oath, but you've already suggested that you are going to go out of your way to check out alien vampire busters. Do you feel the same about the epidemic? The epidemic, I'd have to see a trailer for it. It sounds it sounds a little, little more routine. Is that the right word for this kind of movie? <laughs> sure, but, absolutely. But... But it has a it has a real wild cast, so yeah. you know maybe it's maybe it'll be interesting. I'm more interested in this movie, The Demented from 2021, that featured Barry J. Gillis of the Canadian classic Things. Have you ever seen the movie Things, Aaron? I've never seen the movie Things. I've never even heard of the movie Things, well, which makes I'm me excited. feel like a bad Canadian. Well, the next time that I am out in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I'm going to bring you a copy of Things and make Please you watch do. it. Uh, I'm going to stab you with things until you watch things. And then you can tell us all what you think of it. In fact, uh, strangely enough, I believe Barry J. Gillis, the writer of Things, has a new movie coming out also featuring Brett the Hitman Hart. I guess they formed a very strong relationship there in Alberta, Canada. But I'll tell you what, I'm a little exhausted. All this talk of Eric Roberts' projects. Oh, I've got uh, my head's all woozy. I think we should take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a fabulous, famous Eric Roberts project. It's 1997's Most Wanted. We'll be back right after this. I'm on checkpoint. Video surveillance set up in five mile intervals. Right, it's done. You can't. You You said you would help me. What are you gonna do? What they trained me to do. Let him talk. Everything he thinks he knows leads to someone else. Whatever you are thinking of doing, don't do it. You have no idea what's at stake here. This man dies tonight, gentlemen! Take him out! 
improvised. A Marine on death row is recruited by a shadowy U.S. military officer as part of a top-secret ops team, then gets framed for murder when the team and its officer set him up as the fall guy for the assassination of the First Lady. It's 1997's Most Wanted, directed by David Hogan, who's a prolific music video director, also the director of the Pamela Anderson superhero vehicle Barbed Wire from 1996, which was probably why how he got this gig. I don't believe he's made any feature films since then. Who knows why? It was also written by the star of the film, Keenan Ivory Wayans, best known as a comedian, of course, part of the Wayans uh, family, and responsible for In Living Color, White Chicks, Little Man, and his talk show, The Keenan Ivory Wayans Show, which aired in 1997 as this movie came out. This film stars Keenan Ivory Wayans as Gunnery Sergeant James Anthony Dunn. We also have John Voight as the big baddie in the film. Uh, Law and Order's Jill Hennessy. Uh, Robert Culp is in the film. Simon Baker, uh, young Simon Baker in here. Paul Sorvino. And of course, Eric Roberts as CIA Assistant Deputy Director John Spencer. Uh, I like that in the opening credits, he gets an and Eric Roberts roles, so you know that he's going to be involved in something near the end because up to that point, you're like, why the fuck is Eric Roberts in this for a role that he gets nothing to do? <laughs> well, he eventually gets something to do. Wink, spoiler alert. Going to start with some general thoughts. What did everyone think about 1997's Most Wanted? I'm going to start with you, Aaron. You are our guest here today. What did you think of Most Wanted? So I really appreciated that it was very efficient. It mm. just started and it moved like <laughs> 10 minutes into the film and we've already uh, uh, killed our uh, superior officer, gone to jail, been in jail five years, been offered the chance to join a secret military organization, accepted, gone to training and we're out on our first mission and then the first lady gets shot. Like that's 10 minutes into the film. And the credits are in there too. Yeah, it gets it all done. So, it gets you right in yeah. there. And the whole film is like that. It just doesn't waste any time. You just go from thing to thing very, very efficiently. In some cases, so efficiently that I say, why is why is he outside walking downtown now? But <laughs> but I just appreciated it that it didn't it didn't waste any minute of its, you know, 90 whatever minutes long. It was just the right length. It was. Um, I'm hearing. I'm hearing very efficient and just the right length from Effenberg's creator Aaron Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, These blurbs for the poster here. Yeah, right. <laughs> but also, like, it had a couple of really good explosions, mm -hmm. and it had one sequence that I cackled with delight because I had I never I seen anything is. like it before. Tell me about it. Oh my God! So there's a scene where. Um, after, after Keenan Ivory Wayans has been framed for the murder of the first lady by the secret military organization that he joined after being in prison for killing a superior officer, um, he's on the run and he, he, he's like, he's hiding in an abandoned Marine base, but he goes out for some reason yep. after, after they've put a $10 million public bounty on his head. And somebody spots him and everybody starts shouting, hey, you're that guy. And like 
hundreds of people start running after him. And the shot is he he runs out around a corner and onto like a, a multi-lane road. And yep. suddenly behind him is this huge mass of people all running after him. So he's running one guy traffic. running really fast with this stampede behind him. And then he goes into oncoming traffic and the cars start hitting all the people that are behind <laughs> him. And there's so many stunts of people rolling up over the... Like, I don't think I've ever seen so many stuntman jumps on the hood and breaks the windshield stunts in the, in yep. one film. And they all happen so fast. And then the cars start hitting each other and then things go on fire and start exploding. And it's just like, it's like that end of the Blues Brothers where sure. one car crashes and then 250 cars have crashed. And it's like that, except with people being hit by cars and explosions. And uh, honestly, it made every minute of watching the film worthwhile. Like I cannot recommend that sequence more strongly because I've never seen anything like it. And I loved, I loved it. And I had little tears in my eyes when it was done because I was just like so happy with everything about it. A common criticism of the director, David Hogan, is that he doesn't shoot action well. And I don't disagree with that necessarily, but I have to say that that sequence, while I was watching it, I was cackling. I was like, yes, oh, yeah. this is it amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so many stunts, so much mayhem. And of course, there's something also about it being from 1997 and it being have, having a lot more of that kind of physical oomph to a lot of what you're watching yeah. where you know there's real yeah. people getting hit and real cars smashing up. Yeah, oh, the, no, like uh, what? When the parachute stunt happened, I was like, oh, shit, that's a real guy really parachuting between buildings. That's a great looking stunt. You know, yeah. it's like it was so refreshing after years of like CG people flying in the air. Uh, that, that was really nice. And I, you know what? I, I, I hear that criticism of the way he stages action. But I will say the house explosion is staged really well. The it car looks bursting. Like it's dangerous, for sure. Yeah, exactly. It feels dangerous. It looks dangerous. And it's thrilling when the car bursts out of the garage door with the building exploding behind it. It's just like really well put together. So I, I would consider that a rave review from Aaron Reynolds. Uh, sure. So let's, uh, I'm, before I go over to Liam, I'm just going to say I really enjoyed watching Most Wanted. I'm not going to say that it's an action classic necessarily, but I thought everyone acquitted themselves very well. I thought there's lots of really good performers in here. I think that actually, I hate to say it because obviously John Voight is a king-sized piece of shit in real life, but he really is a great actor and he's, he's hamming it up so strong. So much. Yeah, but he's yeah. so fun at the same time, and he makes for a great villainous character. And his number one guy, like the guy that was his uh, Wolfgang Bodison as Braddock in the movie, he's not that, like, he doesn't really do anything until he gets, like, a one-on-one -on -one fight scene near the end of the movie where he's, like, talking about how much he loves pain and stuff like that. I thought that was hilarious. I had a good time with Most Wanted. Now let's uh, move over to uh, podcast's uh, biggest curmudgeon. Leo O'Donnell, <laughs> to see what he had to say about most How did you know? How did you know, Doug? <laughs> no, I mean, look, you know, Doug, that I'm a true cinephile, right? I, yeah. I, I, I'm i a deep cut guy. <laughs> so, of course, I've watched a film classic, just, you know, staple of, of you know, movie history. I'm going to get you, sucker, yes. uh, probably 200 times, maybe 300 times. I've, wow. I've watched that movie uh, basically a million times. It's one of the, one of the movies that forms the foundation of of my you know cinematic knowledge. And so sure. for me, the problem with Most Wanted is that uh, it, it's kind of similar. Doug, are you familiar with 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 uh, performance art 
uh, group turned band Guar. You familiar yeah, with this? Very with this much so. In fact, there's a recent documentary released yes. that produced by our good friend Josh Goldblum. Yeah, and I watched it. The documentary is amazing. Uh, and 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 one of the things the documentary doesn't cover is when various members of Guar uh, would attempt to be in normal bands, and then those bands would feel too much like Guar. Hmm. Uh, it didn't happen all the time, but it did happen occasionally. Right. Unfortunately, that's the problem with Most Wanted. Most oh. Wanted wants to be fun like 1997's Drive, and then occasionally Keenan Ivory Wayans looks at the camera and winks, and you go, oh, yeah, this isn't I'm going to get you, sucker. And it's not as funny as I'm going to get you, sucker, but it's almost that movie. And that's what sucks for me about Most Wanted. It's not actually a serious movie that's funny because it's serious. I think it's just a different shade of I'm going to get you, sucker, but less successful. And so it doesn't work for me. There are yeah. multiple moments where he tries to be funny on purpose. And if instead he stayed serious the whole movie, this would be one of the best movies of the 90s. No fucking argument. And it's still pretty good. In fact, my I think on, on social media, Doug thought I was, when I said I was watching a movie for a podcast on Twitter, that was terrible. It wasn't this movie, Doug. It, it was it was high tension. Uh, but but this <laughs> This movie, uh, I actually think it mostly works, but there are four or five moments where he's funny on purpose in a way that doesn't work for this movie that yeah. bums me out. And I wish yeah. he would play it straight it, the whole movie long. It's funny so you bring that up. Because, sorry, I'm just going to just butt in. I'll just let you uh, yeah. say uh, your thought in a second, Aaron. But I just wanted to mention that that sequence that we were just talking about, that car crash sequence, that ends with him having a comedic interaction yep, with the homeless terrible. person hated it. that does seem to somewhat undercut the action before. Fucking hated it. It made ah. me mad. It literally made me mad. And, <laughs> and it's not the only time he does that. And I'm like, bro, if you want to cross over into action films, then just be that guy. Like, don't, you don't need to like be goofy. Because he already did it. It'd be different if I'm going to get you, sucker, didn't exist. Or, I, uh, uh, you know what, I, I said the name wrong, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm going to get you, sucker. Yeah, back over to you, Aaron. Oh, I was just going to say that the sort of the the persona uh, is is he keeps flipping between yes. King and Ivory Wayans keeps flipping between hard ass and goofball. Yes, and like the scene where he enjoys the pizza and just has this like. Yeah. super like sunny <laughs> like oh, i haven't had a slice of pizza like this in five years blah, blah, blah. and i'm like but, but that's not so the film like i think the film wants him to be like a bruce willis performance yeah. yes. you know like a yes. die hard kind of like and i don't know that he needs to be that and there were pieces of humor that i think worked with the character as he was like the scene in the hospital where he's trying oh. to get into the computer. I, 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 I'm almost embarrassed at how much I enjoyed that. Part. <laughs> I loved that scene so much because he has to type in a login name. And so he's trying to spell the names of the doctors that he hears over the PA and they're increasingly like multisyllabic. And he's just so frustrated trying to type them in. And I like, I love that scene because that's a th scene that would frustrate the hard ass action star. And I think if there were a few more of like those things where they're kind of, they're making his life difficult and he's reacting in a frustrated way instead of right. him reacting in a goofy way, like that humor really did work for the film. And I, and I did like his, his line at the end where he's like, yeah, sometimes I plan shit like that, you know, is like, sure. I, I was yeah. fine with that. That's yeah. fine. You know, that was fine. But like there were, there were a bunch of jokes that were just like goofy and were just a little too goofy. Although I did like him calling, uh, what's his name? George forehead. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That was okay. There's George just a, there's a here. there's a couple of moments that reminded me. Remember the part, and I'm gonna get you, sucker, where there's the first sh- uh, uh, like firefight, and he just starts yelling, "They shooting, they shooting!" and he like jumps behind a thing. There's a couple of moments in this movie that are a little too close to that, <laughs> and like yeah. I, I'm not saying this movie can't have humor in it, but when you put, you're, okay, we're gonna make an action movie, it's gonna be kind of funny, but this is really the time for Keenan Ivory Wayans to show that he's more of a hard ass. He's not just a goofball; he's more of a hard ass. It's got to be a different kind of humor, and there's just a couple of times that lead too far into like the other thing that it just doesn't yeah. work for this movie for me. Which again, I'm not saying Doug that this is a bad movie at all, but I. I wasn't blown away by it because those moments made me feel like it made the other parts of the movie. So I think it's a, a key thing here is like, does the movie most wanted believe the sequence with all the people getting hit by the cars is a real action scene or are they doing it going this shit crazy? Like if, if, if the, if the point right. of it is that that moment is dumb, well then it kind of taints the rest of the movie. And if that's the kind of movie we're going to have go dumb the whole time. But it, I, what I need is for it to believe that that action sequence is over the top, but still a real action sequence. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't, I'll be honest with you. I think that this movie plays it straight for the most part. I mean, it's just yeah. strongly. Disagree strongly. I, I don't I mean I think that's part of the purpose that Keenan Ivory Wayne's character in this isn't is pretty humorless for most of it. I mean he makes quips, uh, but he's not a Which funny is why guy. it's so weird when it gets goofy. Like there are yeah, it's, why they, it's too goofy for me. I mean yeah, I, I agree, but I'm not I don't disagree with what you're saying. To, they need to let the goofiness belong to like Paul Sorvino and yes, <laughs> his supporting agreed. cast, you know? Like, yeah, it, it definitely is missing a uh, or uh, yeah, yeah, or some sort of supporting character that would be a little bit more silly and, and but I wonder if they if he was kind of forced to put a certain amount of humor into the script, considering he is Keenan Ivory Wayans and that's what people expect. Right. But that's I think for the most part, I mean, yeah. I swear for the first twenty minutes, this is a pretty grim movie in a lot of ways. Uh, Liam, I have to ask you a question. Yes. How many Wayans family members are there? There's a mother. There's there's Elvira, and there's the uh, the father Howell. How many children did they have? I. Uh, no idea. I'm only the only Wayans I'm aware of are Keenan Ivory, yes. Damon, mm-hmm. Marlin, Marlin, yes, and then there's a there's a fourth brother who I've seen in one other thing and his name escapes me. I think it might also start with an M. You're probably thinking of Sean Wayans. Oh, Sean, no, Wayans. Sean Wayans. I'm sorry. You're right. It's Sean. Outside of those four people, I don't know any other Wayans. Well, is there a Damon? Are... Isn't there a Damon Junior? Oh shit! I forgot about David Junior. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I'm talking about the direct children. The but direct I mean, children. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Just the brothers. Okay. <laughs> just the, no, not just the brothers. There's also sisters. There's a sister. I know, but oh. I don't know her name. There are right. ten Wayans siblings. Oh, jeez. Jesus. Are they all in productions of some kind? Uh, for the most part, but not all. Uh, I'm not going to list all of them right now. And some of them went into acting. Some didn't. There's there's a Kim Wayans, uh, who's, uh, who's right. An Kim. Um, and there's also a Dwayne Wayans who was a uh, film score composer and writer. But yeah, so a large family, a lot of them in the entertainment industry. Knowing that that none of us are familiar with all of the members, I do still want you to give a ranking of the top three Wayans brothers, Liam. I'm going to start oh. with you. Top three of the Wayans. You could fit Kim Wayans in there also if you're a big fan. It's hard because I really only know the th- the the three obvious I, are the only ones I know, mm-hmm. and ranking them I have trouble because okay so classically for me it would be Damon at the top 
because of his performances on Living Color, with Keenan Ivory underneath because he still gets a lot of points from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, and then Marlon below because a lot of Marlon stuff is really bad. However, <laughs> just just recently, Marlon has done some more serious roles that were actually pretty good. Um, he was in he was in a movie with Bill Murray. That's oh, what's the name of that movie? Why is it escaping me? Well, he, of course, he was in Requiem for a Dream. That's probably his most famous. Sure, role. yeah, yeah, and and that, but that's that alone is not enough for me to get him up there, right? Um, on the Rocks is the film you're thinking. Of. Yes, On the Rocks, I thought was great, and then the Sofia Coppola film, and then even more recently, he was in something. If you have it open, please. I do have it. Uh, the other film that he was in recently was Respect. The uh, yeah, the, uh, I thought Franklin. I actually oh. thought he he's a heel in Respect, but I thought he <laughs> killed it. Like I, he's one of the better performances in the movie, really. Um, and so I don't know. He might be going up because Damon Wayans. If I'm going by recent performances, nothing, right? Like there's nothing. Well, he was on the Lethal Weapon television. No, program. thank you. No, yeah, no, thank you. Oh, that's the junior, right? Oh, boy, yeah, I feel. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember that there was a lot of trouble on that set, and I had to think that it was Damon Wayans since he is notoriously an asshole. <laughs> 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 You're right; he has not been in anything recently. Yeah, so it's got it's got to go Marlon top, then Keenan Ivory, and then Damon's at the bottom. Honestly, wait a second, everybody. Damon what? Wayans was on Lethal Weapon. Was he? he was. I uh, is an American Buddy Cop show. Uh, stars Clayne Crawford and Damon Wayans as Martin Riggs and Roger Murta. Yeah, he was the star. Oh, oh. man, Aaron, you really dropped the ball that one. But... I did. Oh. I did. I don't know my Wayans is. I I also have to say Mar- Marlon Wayans has done some unexpected TV work, including Children's Hospital, that mm. I think is worth mentioning. Yeah, absolutely. So you're a big Marlon Wayans fan. I wouldn't say big, but he he's at least he's your number one. Oh my God, he previously had been my least favorite like uh-huh. truly bottom of the barrel <laughs> and now it's like well if he's gonna he's keep your number doing, two now if he's gonna keep doing some serious roles that i think he's good at i think he he deserves to be back up there because i don't know that keenan ivory has done anything i care about recently either well he has a long track record though doesn't that count for something does he though doug i'll come back to you on that aaron reynolds rank oh, the wayans so I think it's unfair to rank them like because they they have very different careers. Like if you look that, at Keenan Ivory Wayans, he's a writer, he's a producer. You know, he has been the creative force behind an iconic television series that really, you know, gave most of his siblings their, you know, their 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 big shot, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to you have to love him for that. Like regardless of where he is as an actor, he also like made it. It's like that. It's like the Sylvester Stallone story, right? He knew he had a good script, and he knew that his shot was to be the actor in that really good script, right? You know, and and so like he made it. He made it happen for himself. And I really like. I feel like. I mean, I don't know the any of the biography of Keenan Ivory Wayans, but like just looking at his career, it looks like he's the guy who like, who made it happen for himself. And I really, really respect that. Um, and at the same time, uh, Damon Wayans is in bamboozled, which is, I that's think true. No, that's the right. Most yeah. incendiary and savage piece of satire of the last, you know, 30 years. Um, and it's sometimes a very hard film to watch, but God, like what a movie and his performance in it is like, 
I mean, he's he's a, like a he's a jackass, in it, you know. And he's he's a great jackass, you know. Um, also, Earth anyways. Girls are easy, which I forgot about. Wait, who's in Earth Girls are easy? Damon. Yeah. Damon. Yeah. Really? He plays one of the aliens, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this film features John Voight, the actor. And uh, rather notoriously on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man uh, podcast, we've talked a lot about the film Runaway Train. In fact, you mentioned it earlier in this very episode, Aaron, where uh, Ro- uh, John Voight stars along with Eric Roberts, one of both of their greatest films, working together. They're reunited in this film, though they don't actually share any scenes together. However, I just discovered that there's another actor in this film, Liam, another actor in this film who famously appeared in a film with Eric Roberts. Do you know who it is? There might be several, actually, but this is just one that I'm thinking of. Well, I know that uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans is in uh, Star 80 as a comedian. Keenan Ivory Wayans is in Star 80. Yeah, no, I knew that. I thought you did do I thought you knew that, too. My bad. I had forgotten. I, I had forgotten. But that's exciting, right? That's his first film appearance yep. was in Star 80 with yep. Eric Roberts. Yep. Yeah, it's very, in my memory at least, it's very brief. Someone might correct me on that, but I, I don't think it's a very long appearance in Star 80. The director of Most Wanted is David Hogan, who I already mentioned is most well-known as a music video director. I wouldn't call him one of those kind of auteur music video directors, the ones that you really love to see kind of the style they bring bring to the film, sorry, to the music video, what, like a David Fincher or a Spike Jones or someone like that. But he certainly has done a lot of work. I have put in front of you a list of the music videos done by David Hogan. I want you... Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> I knew. I fucking knew it. I want you to tell me. Actually, I'll start with our guest today, Aaron Reynolds. Aaron, what are one or two of your favorite David Hogan music videos? I think it, I think you really nailed it in that he's he doesn't seem to be like an auteur with a distinctive style. Because when I was watching some of these videos to sort of refresh my memory of them, each one of them is is very much different, but also of their time. Uh, I watched the uh, the video for "You Got the Look" uh, by Prince, and right. uh, uh, you know it's I I was uh, so like a week and a half ago I was at Paisley Park because uh, I was at, in Minnesota for a Comic Con and I thought well I can't go to Minnesota and not go to Paisley Park and so you know uh, my impression of the music video is colored by the fact that I was literally standing on the stage that the that the music video was shot on and recognizing like the steps and the lights and the like man I was standing around all these pieces just a few days ago but like it's just a straight up 1980s performance music video you know what I mean like it's shot like that The, the lighting is like that the color is like that there is a great moment in it where Prince plays a guitar solo while smoke is blown up from underneath him, but it's like a band performing in front of a crowd, well shot, you know? Right. And uh, and then I watched a video for uh, uh, an Amy Mann song. What song was it? Uh, I got to open my list. Oh, that's just what you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm watching it and I was like, wow, this is the most 1995 music video I have ever seen. Like the colors and the way it's shot and the fashions and like... Everything about it was hard 1995. So I watched a like a 1989 music video from him and a 1995 music video for from him, and they were just straight up like what the what everything looked like in my mind in those years. <laughs> and so I was like, well, he like he nailed it. <laughs> it's funny that I mentioned that he wasn't an auteur music director like David Fincher because he was the second unit director on Alien Three, David Fincher's film 
debut. I wonder if they had a further relationship as music video directors. Uh, Liam, over to you. Any favorite music videos by the director of Most Wanted, David Hogan? I mean, 100% looking at this list, he's done all of the least memorable videos by memorable <laughs> artists. Uh, but, I, you know... I, yeah, I remember. I, I remember looking at. It, I was like, "Cutting Crew." Oh, oh, songs I've never heard of by Cutting Crew. <laughs> yeah. No, well, and even the ones that I've heard of are ones where I'm like, "Yeah, but that video, though." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. it's um, uh, if if I had to 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 choose, I would choose the one that uh, you and Aaron bullied me into, which is uh, Kylie Minogue. There's a couple of the Kylie Minogue videos on here are pretty good, so I'll give him. You know, the Kylie Minogue videos are okay, uh, but. If I was going to pick a favorite, it's only because of uh, them being artists that I enjoy, whether that's Kylie Minogue or he did a Fishbone video and I like Fishbone. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the videos themselves are not particularly memorable in and of themselves. Well, while you were talking just then, Liam, I was watching the video for The Church's Under the Milky Way, which was directed uh, by... Again, he did The Church, and then it's a song where I'm like, really? Okay. Well, I like that song, Under the Milky Way. It's fine. It's good. It's not as good, of course, as the Sting, Brian Adams, and Rod Stewart song, All for Love, from the Man in the Iron Mask uh, soundtrack. Oh, my God. I One of my least favorite not, videos of all time. Did not watch, <laughs> did not watch on purpose. Yeah. That's, just, that's a torture video. <laughs> We're here talking about Most Wanted, the film <laughs> starring Keenan Ivory Wayans uh, action movie. As we mentioned before, John Voight uh, plays the lead villain in this movie. Uh, there is a kind of plot point that's kind of interesting where we discover a cover-up is what caused the murder of the First Lady. She used to be a lawyer, and she was part of some sort of uh, case against the U.S. military because they were experimenting on soldiers with an experimental vaccine that caused some sort of neurological conditions in these soldiers, and they uh, basically killed her to make her go away and to make this whole lawsuit go away. Uh, uh, very uh, similar. Uh, I mean, this is something that you've had a lot of strong feelings about, right, Liam, about the vaccine and uh, it being untested, of course, uh, and uh, <laughs> not being uh, comfortable uh, with the idea of taking it. Uh, and I, I mean, you were saying about, what is it about the, you said the vaccine passports, <laughs> Are things that you? I know you were part of a, a protest recently uh, against mm, that. Can you tell sure, us a little bit yeah. about that? No, totally. <laughs> no, but I mean, there. It, the, the <laughs> I hate you so much. Back to John Voight, the actor. John Voight's being uh, very over the top in this movie. He has a ridiculous outcome. Utterly ridiculous. Accent. Yeah. But he is, I have to say, incredibly entertaining to watch. This time period of his career, I could watch him in just about anything, and I have. I watched him in that movie where he fights a kung fu dog. Uh, not too long ago. Uh, I got to st start with you, Aaron. Your thoughts on John Voight? Well, I, so I thought his accent was kind of terrible. Yes. While mm. enjoying the heck out of his performance. <laughs> you know, his, especially when he got into full-on sniveling mode in the yes. elevator. Oh, when he God. was handcuffed yeah. to the thing with the gun to his head. <laughs> and he's like, just like, it was like, where's his mustache that he can twirl? He's like. He's cartoon villain at his most cartoony. And like he also the reveal of why he was wearing the cuff was so disgusting. So profoundly Why did he just memorize the fucking code? Right? Yeah, did he need to have yeah. it on his person? I mean, that is a very old person thing, right? He's written under the fucking his code skin. On his under his skin. So disgusting. And I was like, a thing that's been inside his body, and then you put it in the computer. That's just going to gum up the computer. Come on, guys. <laughs> but, 
but at the same time, I was like, oh, that's so disgusting. Thank you, movie, for giving me something this disgusting this late in the film. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, he was he was like, I think that he was like a lot of the supporting cast of this film where they maybe didn't have a lot on the page. And so they just sort of gave them some stuff. Yeah. Like Paul Sorvino is so colorful in a colorless role you know like he just and i feel like there's this moment where he he asks his secretary in the background what she's eating from the chinese restaurant that's and right I, I swear to god that what is this kung pao chicken when he says that it was like this is improv he's yeah. improving this in the middle of the scene asking her what she's eating I swear no, no, no 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 it's not it's not that he says yes that's funny enough in and of itself but then when she says you want somebody he goes it, it, doesn't he say an exact time, like thirty minutes from now? Or yeah, something? yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> fuck, that's what got me. Like yeah. that whole scene, I'm like, this feels improv. But then he goes in thirty minutes. I'm like, what the fuck? What's yeah. gonna change in thirty minutes? <laughs> he knows his digestion down to the second. The great uh, Canadian actress Jill Hennessy is in this film in a very thankless role uh, as well. Super thankless. And, yeah, uh, she is just um, she is someone to dump exposition on and to push certain parts of the plot forward up to the point where she's no longer useful, and then they just sideline her for the rest of the entire movie. I actually really like Jill Hennessy as an actress. Maybe it is because I watched a lot of Law and Order back in the nineteen nineties, uh, including the seasons in which she was featured upon it. Uh, but yeah, not a lot to do in this film, unfortunately. Speaking of not a lot to do. I think it's time. Let's talk about Eric Roberts, the actor. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, he is sort of sidelined for most of this movie. He plays Paul Servino's uh, deputy. So Paul Servino is the head CIA guy. He's looking for uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans' character. Keenan Ivory Wayans at least has some sort of trust with him. So he's trying to keep him updated. But but Paul Servino keeps telling him, you got to get more information. You basically need to solve the case by yourself or there's nothing I can do for you. Eric Roberts is his number one guy, Paul Servino's number one guy, all throughout it, and has nothing to do. So, of course, Straight of course, in the final 10 minutes, it's revealed that Eric Roberts is a mole on the inside. He's been working for John Voight's evil General Adam Woodward slash Lieutenant Colonel Grant Casey the whole time. And so, Paul Servino has to flip Eric Roberts, who's already been flipped, back to himself. And, uh, and Eric Roberts has one good scene where they interact and he has to be kind of like, like he's going to pull a gun and then Paul Servino pulls a gun and he's like, don't be stupid. And I do wonder after the events of this movie are complete, does Eric Roberts just go back to working for Paul Servino? <laughs> he's like, well, you flipped me back. I mean, it is the CIA. So. Yeah. I mean, well, I yeah. was a double agent, but then I was a triple I, agent. And I just aged. I'm going to be, I'm going to be really honest with you. The first time Eric Roberts shows up and he just, like expressed surprise at some CIA procedural thing. I was like, oh, 100%, he's like yeah. a mole. And then the second scene that he's in, Paul Sorvino starts saying, no, I think we have a mole. And I was like, yeah, it's Eric Roberts. It's Eric Roberts, you idiot. He's read Cross Review. And Eric Roberts is like, a mole? I was like, oh, man, like, come on. Eric Roberts is in this movie because there has to be a mole. <laughs> like otherwise, this would be some. This would be an it, extra. It, it's kind of funny know? because if this movie came out in 2005 instead of 1997, this could have just been the Eric Roberts role. Like no turn at the end. It just he shows up as this flunky, and we never see any more of him. But it was 1997, and he got an right. Eric Roberts credit in the opening credits. So you know something else is going to go down. Aaron, what did you think of his performance here? 
Oh, I, I enjoyed what little of him there was. Um, I, I didn't, I was sort of take it or leave it during his, like, uh, you know, his faux surprise um, <laughs> yeah, mole yeah, part yeah. of the performance. Cause I was like, okay, he's, he's being a guy pretending to be surprised, you know, <laughs> like trying to, you know, I, I, I liked it, but I didn't love that part of his performance. But later, when he seems genuinely delighted to have brokered a deal <laughs> between, you know, the bad the bad general and the head of the CIA, it's like, it's, he just seems like, oh, I'm so surprised that this worked out in this way. And I was like, you know, that just seems so genuine and happy and sunny. And I really I was kind of thinking, it's like, oh, you know what, he's going to be in big trouble once John Voight finds out that you know that he's been turned and he told Paul Servino all this information and he fucked up the deal all and cost him five million dollars, he's gonna be really upset. And then of course John Voight gets killed and I'm like, well I guess he's in the clear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Solved all his problems with a really great squib. That squib is so good. The way John Voight's head explodes, it looks like blood's yep. coming out of his ears. Like that was a that was a A one squib. Liam O'Donnell, what did you think of Eric Roberts in Most Wanted? I mean, he's surprisingly uh, clean cut for this time period in his life. Yes, that's true. That I, I'm surprised he was even willing to remove his mullet long enough hey, no. during this time period. Uh, but no, I mean, he's he's fine. I, I think he's he, obviously he is a loaded gun when he shows up. Is you know, uh, reliable for a few minutes and then goes away. You're like, well, clearly he's going to be important coming back. Um, I, I do like that he's a reminder that you can't trust the CIA. I guess that's mm. viable. Uh, I wish he was given more time to be Eric Robertsy. Uh, he's really just one of the more laid back variations uh, we've seen on this podcast. But he's he's solid and 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 he you know when when it's revealed that he is the mole, it's not just like a fulfillment of Chekhov's gun per se, but it's also like oh because he is clean cut and and you know slimy and and right. that's that's pretty good too. I just wish you know and, and this is nothing on him. I I do wish he had a little bit more uh, even in his diminished role to some extent i wish he was given a little more literal screen time yeah. but i think he's reliable that you would both believe he's probably a pretty good assistant and a traitor that you could believe both of those things is very <laughs> is very much a good eric roberts space to be in you know it's one thing i really enjoy in this movie is after they catch keenan ivory wayans he's like in a market and they catch him uh, there's a scene where Paul Servino is like to everybody who's been working overtime to catch this guy. He's like, all right, everybody, you all get to go home now. Everyone go home. And I just had such a nice thing. It's just like, hey, you know, he appreciated our work and now he's letting us go home. He's going to deal with all the mopping it up. I like that very much. But I guess he really just wanted everyone away so he could confront Eric Roberts and make his deal for the $5 million. But then actually he wasn't uh, against Keenan Ivory Waynes. He's actually with mm -hmm. him the whole time. Uh, I don't know if he's going to walk away with the money. Liam, do you think that Eric Roberts continues to work for Paul Servino? I mean, if this was the real CIA, sure, actually, I believe that for a second. Uh, I, I do think we're, you know, Eric Roberts has to be there because we've, we're already pushing the boundaries of believability that anyone as ethnic as Paul Servino has ever been allowed to have authority at the CIA. Oh uh, he would just be a translator and not allowed any higher than that. I'm just saying Ouch. the CIA is is. Uh, of a of a government all around white supremacist is one of the most white supremacist parts of that. Uh, even when it benefits them to have people of color. Liam, you've been on TikTok again. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've I've stated facts over here, Doug. Uh, you can take it however you want, but uh, that's just the reality. They Paul Servito would show up and they'd be like, I don't know, he's a little too spicy for us. It's Aaron Reynolds. 
creator yeah. of and Birds and Swear Trek, amongst other things. In the film Most Wanted from the year 1997, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Oh, he is. He absolutely is. Oh, that's good. I love hearing that. I love hearing when people are feeling positive. Maybe it's because I got this curmudgeonly guy that I do this podcast with, and I'm just never sure what he's thinking. Curmudgeonly guy. You're the real... You know what? Liam, Liam, calm down just a little bit, please. Uh Liam Liam O'Donnell, creator of Cinepunks.com. Yes. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 1997's Most Wanted? I mean, he is. It's it's a less it's it's a lesser in his crown of mandom uh, than than other jewels. Sure, but he he certainly is the man. Well, I have one quick follow up question to you, Liam, which is: Did this film break the streak of unfortunate movies here on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux podcast? What was the? I thought the last film we covered. Maybe it did. I it. I, my memory these days at the time. Yeah, I just no, don't the last it. film broke the streak, and then this just continued to be. I mean, at a different time in the history of this podcast, like I don't know, just after Star Eighty, I would have put this movie as like you know not that great. It's to me not that great. I don't. I wasn't as into it as you were, uh, mm-hmm. and as Aaron, our guest, was. I, I wasn't that stoked on it, but compared to like let's say not the last movie we covered, but some of the movies we've covered recently. Oh yeah. This is a fucking masterpiece compared to some of those things. So yeah, it's, it's overall positive film, but it's, it just isn't as good as I want it to be. Liam, our most recent episode was on the, just what the doctor ordered stocked by my doctor sequel. Uh, that was preceded by facade from 1999, which neither of us liked at all. Oh yeah. Uh, so so. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I would say this is equal to the most recent stalked by my doctor movie. <laughs> Well, I think you it's guys, a little better than that. And I'm also going to agree with the both of you that Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 1997's Most Wanted. I actually think it's a pretty worthwhile action vehicle from that time period. And you know what? We didn't really talk about it, but I think Keenan Ivory Wayans acquits himself fairly well. It is sort of uncomfortable because it does kind of have to uh, pull from uh, back and forth on the uh, serious action movie side and the comedic action side. It actually kind of feels like in this year... Uh, or the last like decade or so, where a lot of these action movies kind of lean a little heavier on the comedy, that maybe he would b- have been able to find a more comfortable role at that time period, as opposed in, to 1997. It is funny to think, again, that he also had a talk show at the same time where he was supposed to be, you know, a very genial and comedic figure in that. At the same time, he was trying to launch a very serious career. Kind of reminds me of the Howie Long film. What was it called, Liam? Firestorm? Is that what it was called? I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you know who Howie Long is? Nope. Well, Howie Long was a football player, and he made a movie called Firestorm in 1998, where he was the lead. Uh, uh, he was a firefighter in it. This is pretty exciting. So Eric Roberts was the fucking man in 1997's <laughs> Most Wanted. I want to thank our guest today, Aaron Reynolds, a very creative individual for taking a lot of time out of his schedule, not just watching the film, but also watching the Pups Alone trailer, as well as several music videos. A lot of time. I do regret. (laughs) I regret watching the Pups Alone trailer. The rest of it was fine. (laughs) Aaron, if people want to check out your work, what's the best way for them to do so? Um, You can find me on social media at effinbirds um, or uh, on uh, on Twitter as Swear Trek. I also have a new book in bookstores on October 22nd called Greetings from Birds. It is 100 postcards you can tear out and send to your enemies and or friends with good senses of humor. Makes a good Christmas gift. Yeah, it does. Or holiday gift, if that is how 
you want to see it. Uh, at the time that this episode is released, that will be in bookstores. I highly recommend everyone run out. Stop listening to the podcast right now. Don't worry about Liam's plugs and run out and grab a copy. <laughs> right Go this buy my second. books. <laughs> Liam O'Donnell, if people want to check out. Uh, now, we're in the midst, uh, I should mention, of Cineween over at Cinepunks right now. Incredible daily content coming out on the website. Uh, how can people check that out? How can people check you out? Well, they can head over to Cinepunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Uh, they can also check out Cinepunks on social media. Uh, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, of course, they can check out our website, Doug, cinemasmorgasbord.com, for the archive, uh, not just of Eric Roberts as the fucking man, but of podcasts exploring the career of Carol Kane, of uh, John Singleton, of Steve Buscemi, uh, and a variety of topics. Uh, and they can find Cinema Smorgasbord, the podcast, on Twitter at Cinema Smorg, S M O R G. You can also follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. And you can follow me on there as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. At the time of the release of this episode, we've also recently launched on Cinema Smorgasbord a George Kennedy-themed podcast Woo. called George Kennedy is My Co-Pilot. What? We are going to be watching the films, the extensive filmography of the great George Kennedy, uh, inspired by Aaron Reynolds, inspired by the idea of picking an idea that no one in could ever support and then putting everything behind it all your finances all your time with the wow. idea that eventually it's going to pay off aaron it's all because of you that now there is a george kennedy podcast in the world what do you think about that i want to come on whatever episode you talk about the airport movie where he has all the sex scenes <laughs> well we're not there yet but we did cover yeah. airport on our very first episode that you can check out now <laughs> over at cinema smorgasbord.com but for now everybody when you're not out there leaving us reviews on iTunes, which we'd appreciate very much. You should be there resting and listening to other Cinema Smorgasbord podcasts, but us, the hosts, and our wonderful guest, we need to take a break. We're going to be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. When it's love you give, I'll be Love